Welcome on in, 9.03 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after on this full-fledged football Friday, and if your week didn't go that well, well, guess what? Here's one shining moment. Your name's not Josh Scobie. Now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome all for <laughs> tuning in on this fine Friday morning. Um, It's College Radio Day, National College Radio Day. Um, If that means nothing to you, then, well, I don't really care. It means a lot to us. Um, because it's, uh, it's a big deal for us in College Radio Day here at 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, our open house, all the good stuff. Um, it's the fifth annual one. Um, we'll be having that open house all day long in our station right here at Compton 102. Feel free to stop by, meet myself, your favorite WFSE DJ, or your not-so-favorite Tubby's here as well. And don't forget to pick up some cool prizes, too. Also, the man to myth, the legend, joining Tubby and I here on this full-fledged Football Friday is... The general manager of our station, Mike Fenner, is in the building, um, fresh off receiving a cake for a cake. just because, I guess. Ex- explanation? That's what you do when you're an excellent station manager. You get cake. See, now. Every fat kid's dream. I guess, Tubby, I guess that means we're not kissing butt good enough. Correct. Because we're not buying him baked goods. Correct. We have failed him. And it was a football-shaped cake as well. Yeah, you really got to up the ante. You got to be really wanting it now. <sighs> I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> no, but, but in all seriousness. I guess that'll fall in the sidekick studio, right? That's my job. Since I can you're barely busy get you to send show. me files, sound files for stuff, let alone buy a cake. Right. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, uh, in all seriousness, though, I really do appreciate that. Uh, appreciate everybody and the work that they've done the past month and change here since coming back for this fall semester. It's been great. Uh, we've got a great group together, and uh, I'm just really glad that. You know, everything's going so well so far, and, and we can celebrate a day like this, the National College Radio Day, and all the different things uh, that, you know, we've all succeeded with, including the two of you doing such a terrific job on this show, uh, Monday through Friday for Tyler, and then Tubby, you know, three days a week. Part-time. You got, no, you guys Part-time do a, like a paper route. You guys do a terrific job, and, and I have a lot of confidence in, uh, in everybody that we've got in this group. Great group of people, and uh, come out and celebrate. Compton Hall we will be here for most of the day, I think, 9 to 2 with that table, so... You know, it's important. Plus, we have some Thank awesome, you. there's going to be some awesome giveaways, too. There's tumblers, there's coffee cups, all there's kinds of- There's a tumbler? What the heck's a tumbler? It's that little- Isn't that someone, isn't that a gymnast? Would you pay attention? I'm asking a Jeez, question. No, you're just going off on your own little rants. Again, and I got to rein you back in. I got to be the adult of the show. All right, all right. I just gave you guys praise. Don't make me- uh... I, I, We're just doing what we do. But a <laughs> tumbler, Tyler, for those that you know, it's a reusable plastic cup. So that and it has uh, 88.9 WFSE on it. I believe oh, we're serving cup. iced coffee in those this morning. Mm-hmm. I call them a cup. Nonetheless, it's a uh, tumbler. Week four, the National Football League got started. We'll talk that right now. Hit a quick break. Break then. Then we'll come back. Jump into local high school football with Tom Risenweber of Erie Times News calling in about 9:15 today. And then we will go um, Edinburgh football. And then. The rest of week four in the NFL, we already started talking about previewing that with Chu and myself yesterday. We just got too much to get to on this full-fledged football Friday. So, uh, not being here on Thursday, you miss out on some football talk. Nonetheless, uh, moving on into this Steelers-Ravens game last night. And this had everything in it. Um, You know, back-and-forth battles, just heartbreak, success, all the difference in between. Baltimore 23, Pittsburgh 20, final in overtime. The Ravens avoid falling to 0-4 and, and really just going into the dark depths of the National Football League. They move to 1-3, and three and the Steelers fall to 2-2. Two and two. And as I said in the opening, Josh Scobie couldn't 
No. There was no Scoby snacks. He just he just wasn't good. <laughs> there he was no was Scoby snacks for the mystery crew last night. Twice missed field goals for Josh Scoby. And then I think another time when he didn't even miss, but the opening drive for the Steelers, they go for it on fourth and two with Vic running because they're afraid to kick the ball with Josh Scoby. My question is, how does this guy still have a job even going into this week? Like the Eagles put their kicker on IR, had about three, four different ones go in for, for tryouts and signed Caleb Sturgis, who isn't great, but he wasn't terrible. I think I got better confidence in him than, than Josh Scoby was. Okay, riddle me this, Batman. You have Le'Veon Bell in your backfield. Right. right, who has a 74% chance of getting you two yards. Okay. Right? He's, he's a fourth-down conversion machine, <clears throat> right? More times than not, he's going to get that to you. That means that he had that Tomlin had no faith in his offensive line to actually block for the guy and to get the yards to get the first down. That amazes me. Why would you run skinny old Vic around the outside when you can just hammer it through with Le'Veon Bell? I think because that was a play he felt confident in. I think that was a two-point conversion play he's used a lot. That's what they said on the broadcast last night. I mean, people were probably expecting Le'Veon Bell to get the ball in that situation, and they decided to shake it up and give it to Michael Who Vick. cares, man up and say, yeah, that's darn right I'm going to do it. Now stop me if you can. That's, what, that's just my attitude. You know what, though? I mean, you can kill Todd Haley for a lot of things that they called last night. I actually didn't hate that call because of what you said, Tyler. I think, that, I think they were expecting Le'Veon up the middle. And if we're sitting here right now and they convert that play, they win the football game. Right. They're going to they're gonna continue to drive down, and it's going to look genius. They're going to say, wow, innovation, what a great call. Using Vic. They, they used Vic the right way, you know, fourth down, uses legs, and maybe they think it's going to be a traditional running back up the middle. So I think it's really easy to say in hindsight that it was a terrible call. And a lot nope, of people, not me. I would still be picking on him. Okay. That's I mean, that's just my that's my. That's because how I so. roll. Everyone looks at it differently. That's fair. <laughs> Right. So now, obviously, that was the opening drive, and they had to turn over on downs. Baltimore goes down. They punt. So then the Steelers get, what, two chances in overtime for a field goal? Josh Kobe, no good either time. After, um, what, he had one block that just wobbled through the uprights in regulation as well. I mean, it's, I tweeted out, special teams will single-handedly kill the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. They will not make the playoffs if Josh – I mean, I, Josh Kobe has to be cut today, right? I mean, he just has to. There's no way. You can't be afraid to use your kicker. Especially in overtime situations. It's just bad. Yeah. If you think about it, though, maybe it's a good thing that he got all those woes out of the way in one game and it only cost him one contest. One maybe game. They can know, maybe they can know that, hey, now we're definitely done with you. We're not going to let this But didn't he have us. woes earlier on in the year? Yeah, yeah that's why they were going for two. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm saying it hasn't really affected the right. outcome of the game until now. It wasn't as big of a huge headline as it is coming into this one. It didn't, like you said, cost them a game. Yeah. I just think Josh Kobe's bad. Yeah, I mean, I believe so. it's hard to kick in Heinz Field, though, and I'm not trying to give him an out. It's true. I mean, right. for opposing kickers, yeah. kickers that have kicked yeah. there for years, I, it's a very difficult. Unless your name is kick. Phil Dawson, then you're not going to be able to kick in the NFC in the AFC North. That's just even Jeff Reed ran out ran out of time. So right. he he got <clears throat> he got you know he gets paid to do this stuff. So I mean, somehow, some way, I feel like he's got to be you know kicked out. He's got to be responsible for this stuff. So I don't know about that, but otherwise, Vic did <clears throat> decently. Um, you know, didn't get the win, but 19 for 26, 124 yards. What did you think of Vic in his uh, starting debut as a Pittsburgh Steeler? You want me to touch on that first? Or sure, you go for it. it. Someone do it quick. Vic, uh, I didn't get a chance to catch the first half, but from what I saw in the second half, it was a guy that was looking to be aggressive, make plays. He, but he was a little bit too 
he was throwing the ball a little bit too high, I think, on some passes. I think he was he was throwing a little bit with too much urgency, and he's got to make sure he's he's more accurate with that target because I think he was, you know, a little bit too tall on some of those passes. And I think he got really he tried to get too cute on one drive where he gives up back to back sacks, uh, which really hurt Pittsburgh in terms of giving the ball back to Baltimore in good field position. Um, but with Mike Vick, it's all about trying to survive these next couple weeks. But a, a loss like this sets you back when you consider that the Chargers are going to be welcoming. Welcoming you in to Qualcomm Stadium next week. Uh, some other difficult matchups up ahead. But Vic, you know, they, they just got to try and survive with this offense and use the, the playmakers around him. Right. Vic's only job that he has to do in the next four weeks is just try to make it to two and two without Big Ben. And I think it's, I think it's doable. I think this is only like what, what, one a lot. This is their first divisional opponent, the Steelers. No, uh, this is their second. Or no, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. They're first. Yep, they're first. So they're only down. They're only down one game within a division. Like I said, I predicted them early to take the division this year. Um, so, I I mean, they're still in good position. I think Vic can hold on. I think he's a serviceable. I think he's above the career backups that we're seeing right now. I believe that Vic is on the upper tier of that, if you will, as far as backups. Like, if, if my quarterback goes down, I wouldn't mind Vic coming in. But no one's as good as Johnny Manziel when it comes to reserve quarterbacks, right? Johnny's not actually a reserve quarterback. I think he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Right now, what is he That's on the depth difference. chart? He's two. Okay. That's all I got to say. So, Baltimore 23, Pittsburgh sure. 20. The Ravens survive. Uh, what an interesting battle in this one. It just seemed like Baltimore was dead and out with three minutes left, and then all of a sudden the Steelers give the ball back and then or miss the field goal, and then Baltimore's like, boom, 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 two plays right there. There you go, field goal. And guess what? We're going to OTB because they know how to kick and know what special teams is all about in Baltimore, and they stay afloat one and three. You guys said they were cooked. Are they still done? Yes. I yes. think so, but that's a huge win. They had to have it. You saw the emotion from Jim Harbaugh with that hug after the game. I mean, they didn't care how they won this football game. They had to win. That they did, and they got it done. 23-20 was that one to start off week four in the National Football League. We're going to hit our first break here, hopefully get Erie Times News sports writer Tom Risenweber on the line. We'll come back, talk Northwestern Pennsylvania high school football, PIAA moving to six classes, and more as we jump to the high school level of pigskin right after this on the morning after. Welcome back here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio 920 here on the morning after. I'm Tyler Trumbauer alongside Tubby and Fenner. Um, interesting song by Pink Floyd there. Thought we were having some incoming call coming on in, Tubby. I don't, I don't, I don't know no, this. See, is- that's why I'm here, so that way I can educate you on classic rock music. That call at the end of it is actually part of the song. Gotcha. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was, I was very You're confused. Welcome. And that's the reason I was confused is because we actually have someone hopefully on the line uh, Tom Risenweber, Erie Times News, sports extraordinaire for high school sports and everything else, Seawolves uh, uh, and such. Hopefully he's on the line. So I was, I was thinking that I messed it up and I got somebody else, something else going on, Tubby. That's why. So let's see if uh, Tom is there. Tom, do you have us right here on the morning after? Yeah, how you guys doing? Good, Tom. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Tyler Trumbauer, Mike Fenner, and uh, Tubby right here on the show. So let's start off um, with this six-class type of proposal that's happening for PIAA. Um, I know you were just at the District 10 meetings. I believe that was yesterday or the day before, and um, they were talking about this along with other things. So what is kind of uh, what the situation right now with it? Where is it standing as far as how close it is to being a reality for high school football and the PIAA to go to six classes? You know, we have just one more vote left on Wednesday's next uh, PIAA board meeting. They need 16 of 31 votes to uh, pass it, or if it doesn't pass, it's dead in the water. So uh, it's all coming down to Wednesday's meeting in Mechanicsburg, and 
you know, it's interesting. I ran in uh, varsity section today all the uh, where teams would stand and what would happen in the playoffs if six classifications was a reality today. And I don't think coaches in D10 really understand what's going to happen. We're going to lose playoff spots and playoff teams uh, and, and playoff games. And uh, so I don't think they really knew that ahead of time. They all kind of got the mob mentality that this is a good thing for uh, the area. But it looks like it's going to be kind of a negative for District 10. It's good for other districts, but uh, it's not going to be great around here. But we'll see what happens. You know, the WPIL is vehemently against it. Uh, they still have some tricks to pull out next Wednesday. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens at this meeting. Could be a lot of sparks flying. Yeah, that's one thing I, I wanted to get your uh, opinion on is what, you know, will it, is it good, is it bad for this area? Obviously, like you said, going into it, it looks like it's actually more negative than positive. I know um, coming from the eastern side of the state, District 11 um, really likes this idea, and I think that's just because they have bigger schools and just and just I know the, at the administration and coaches over there would prefer going to this six-class system than maybe, as you said, maybe it's not such a great idea for out here in the northwest corner of the state. Yeah, you know, coaches are, are, are for here, but I think it's kind of a mob mentality that oh, everyone thinks it's good, so I'm going to say it's good. Uh, the, the problem with District 10 is it's, it's so spread out geographically that it really makes no sense. I mean, we'll have one 6A team, two 5A teams, uh, only, I think, six 1A teams. Uh, it's just so spread out that it really works against the district. Uh, the regions are going to be ridiculous. You're going to have teams uh, that are probably two or three classes different in the same region. Um, and you're going to have less playoff spots. Uh, you know, fewer teams are going to make the playoffs. And you may only have four district championships anyway. Uh, 5A, there's no time for a district 10 championship. Uh, at week 10, you have to go right into a sub-regional. So they might play maybe week 9. That means you only play eight regular season games if you're prepping Central. So uh, looking at it on, ta- uh, on paper, it really it doesn't make a lot of sense for District 10. But I think the coaches are all just swept away by the idea that they're in favor of it. But once they see the numbers, I think they may be against it. Uh, Tom, before we get into tonight's matchups and the slate of games, I kind of wanted to flash back uh, to the ridiculous matchup we saw a few weeks ago with Meadville and Dubois. Of course, <laughs> 107 to 90. Do you ever think that that'll happen again in District 10, considering how ridiculous uh, of a scenario that was? You know, this may never happen again in this country. I mean, he's looking at the the numbers, and that's yeah. the the number one and number six offensive performances in one high school football game ever. And that's never happened before, and it was ridiculous. I mean, you watch the film, uh, you know, Meadville, uh, all they did was run counters basically the whole night, and these, the Dubois linebackers kept getting sucked in to the middle. So all Journey Brown had to do was beat one safety in the hole, and he was gone, and on the other side, Meadville kept playing one-on-one coverage on the outside, and their safeties were on the line of scrimmage. I, I couldn't believe it. I was yelling at the film. You know, Matt Miller just kept going over the top of Dubois' quarterback and throwing deep touchdowns. So I don't think you'll ever see a game like that again. You need two teams that can score at will like that, and I don't think you'll ever see that kind of matchup. I mean, we saw Central Meadville last week. You had the possibility of that. But those two, uh, Central actually played a little bit of defense, and it was 48-43. So uh, I don't think we'll ever see that again in our lifetime. Right. Looking ahead uh, to, to tonight's action, what are the big games you're keeping your eye on? Well, I think the biggest game could end up being one of the best games to attend this season is General McClain at Conneaut. Uh These two have played two really good games the last couple of years. Uh, there's a lot of tension, too, building with these two. 
Uh, I think you know you got two alpha male uh, teams that really like winning. Uh, last year got a little intense, and I think it's going to be a great night in Linesville tonight. There's going to be nowhere to park. Uh, you, there's not a lot of place to park that place. So, you know, McLean brings 10 buses for their band and their team alone. So you bring fans in there. It's going to be a, just a great atmosphere. Uh, Linesville High School, which is now Conneaut High School, uh, you know, you're basically lying around the field, around the fence, on top of it. It's going to be a tremendous night uh, out there. That's the big game, I think, non-region. The big game in region is uh, Fort Will Buff at Fairview. That's for first place in Region 4. Both teams undefeated in the region. So that's a huge game. You especially want to be in those top two spots because if you uh, drop down to three or four and make the playoffs, you have to play Hickory or Sharon in the first round, and those two are both state-ranked teams. Right. And, you know, I would be remiss and without bringing up my hometown, Titusville Rockets. They're traveling to Grove City today. Um, do they have any hope? Uh, you know, that's one of those things, you know, Titusville has been a lot better this year. Um, they, they, they were one big play away from beating Warren. Uh, they've been really improved this season. Uh, you know, that was a really tough one to pick. I think that took Grove City by a point or two points. So uh, that's going to be a, one, of the, uh, one of those games that sneaks up on you as a classic. Uh, Grove City and Titusville can go at it. Uh, it's going to be a pretty good game. I think they have a real shot winning that game. I took Grove City, but uh, it's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I was taking Grove City as well. <laughs> I did. I mean, we just don't have we just don't have the big bodies anymore. I think we have like two kids that are legit over two hundred pounds. So, yeah, and you know, the problem with high school too is yeah, everyone's got to play two ways, and you know that's the problem with smaller schools. Uh, they don't have a ton of athletes. You got to play two ways, and by the time the third and fourth quarter come around, you're just gassed. Right. Well, since we're basically, I guess we're asking about hometowns. I mean, we got to talk about Gerard Northeast, so Mr. Fenner can find out if his uh, the team he used to be on actually has a shot tonight, Tom. Well, you know, Gerard's kind of going through a transitional year. They've they struggled a little bit. They lost to Maplewood. Uh, they lost to some other teams in Region 4. Uh, but they're young. They're, they're very young. A lot of sophomores on a team. Uh, Jake Brooks, the quarterback, looks like he's the real deal. Two for 400 yards against uh, Fort LaBeouf. But, uh, you, know, you know, you lose uh, guys like uh, Joe Dunn and, uh, you know, Kel Barnes, these guys who've been established for three or four years. It's really hard to replace those guys right away. So, uh, Gerard's very young this year, but I think next year they're well, give me one of the teams to beat. So I, sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh, I'm kind of going around that, looking at that region as a whole. I mean, you got Gerard Northeast, the LaBeouf Fairview matchup we talked about earlier. How much has that region changed in the last couple of years, uh, considering some of the teams towards the top maybe just kind of in the middle and, and not quite as competitive as, as maybe they have been? Well, I think you've seen, uh, you know, some of the top teams have come back to the field. Uh, going into the season, I thought every team except for Mercer's Prep had a shot at winning the region. You know, even Seneca is one of the better teams in the region, and they're winning one, two, or oh, three in the region right now. So they're uh, they're struggling, but that region is so wide open and competitive. It's uh, it's pretty good uh, for getting the teams ready for the playoffs. Now, region three has just absolutely dominated the last couple of years in the playoffs. So it's good to see some. Uh, uh, some competitive games Region 4. These teams have to really get better right now. Uh, they're struggling to, to beat those Region 3 teams in the South. So uh, I think you're going to see this, a, a very parity-wise uh, region. It looks like Fairview's going to run away and win the region, but those second, third, and fourth playoff spots, those might come down to Week 8, Week 9. All right, Tom. Well, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to pick a game for my uh, high school alma mater, but I'm just going to ask you if you even know, if you ever heard of Northern Lehigh before. 
I have heard of Northern Lehigh. Uh, I don't know too much about what they do, but I have heard of them. Just, I've seen them on the playoff brackets and more than uh, more than just football. So I think it's one of the more successful programs out there. Claim to fame is they lost in a state title game in the early 2000s to Aliquippa, and on that team was Darrell Rivas. Oh, there you go. Aliquippa, always, always tough to beat. There you go. And you're, you're, no one can beat you when it comes to Northwestern PA high school football time. We appreciate the time, and, uh, and we'll uh, talk to you next Friday as well, same time, same channel, and I'm sure we'll talk about this sixth class uh, g- moving, shifting to that with the vote next week, and then we'll talk about uh, next week's slate of games as well, and uh, enjoy tonight's action. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Don't forget you can check out Tom on www.goerie.com, covering all your high school sports and more. Yeah, Varsity Prime, a huge thing. Erie Times News is undergoing right now and it's just, it's like the sports center of, you know, local high school football and it's just top-notch stuff to find statistics, videos, photos, uh, you know, live updates all night long. The man is just unbelievable when it comes to that, and and uh, he does good work with that. So good, good analysis. I thought that was a good little good little segment with Tom Risenweber there. So to get your high school stuff, and as he said, General McLean's going to be the game of the night, and I'm sure everyone around here likes to hear that. And uh, they're going to try to go find a parking spot. Maybe carpooling is recommended to head down to this contest. Yeah, definitely. I think my favorite part of the entire segment was the the ten the ten buses because that's something my grandpa is actually from uh, next town over in McCain. Uh, my father went to General McLean, and, and my grandpa always says, "Oh, they always got all those dang buses going everywhere, always taking the band all over the place." He doesn't like that. No, he's not. Oh, a fan. I hated it. I hate, when they used to come rolling into Titusville, I would cringe. I hated it. So there you go, General McLean. <laughs> ten buses going down for the game of the Felt week like tonight. Felt like the Democrats stuffing the ballots or something. <laughs> Good luck uh, if you're going to that game, and uh, go check out the high school action. And, of course, Tom Risenweber of the Erie Times News is going to be a weekly guest here on the morning after every Friday morning, 9-15, during the high school football season. You know, we're probably going to have to have him on during the basketball season, too, because, I mean, local high school sports. And we host how many of those postseason actions right here on campus anyway, whether it's Sox Harrison or McComb Fieldhouse. We're going to hit our next break um, right now. We're going to jump back in. Into the, we're going to jump back into um, Edinburgh football right now. We're going to skip NFL, jump into Edinburgh up next, and then we'll finish it with the National Football League to see how much we can get done. But we'll go Borough football for the next segment. And, um, you know, we might, maybe we'll get another surprise guest later on at the end of the show. We don't know. It's college radio day. Anything can happen. So stay right here. 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. 9.34 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after along, uh, alongside Tubby and Mike Fenner. I am Tyler Trumbauer. 88.9 on your dial. EdinburghNow.com, the TuneIn app on mobile devices. All week you can find us anywhere on those and also on Edinburgh Now. You can get our full show podcasts on the daily right there on their SoundCloud account and also on the homepage. Um, good stuff from Tom Risenweber in that last segment talking local high school football, that sixth class classification that they're looking to go to now. And uh, maybe it's not as good as everyone thinks it's going to be, especially here in the uh, localized area with, uh, D- with uh, you know, this district losing some games and some positions in the postseason. And, uh, and that's what it's really all about is that postseason action. So we'll see what happens in that vote next week. I mean, one last thought on that. Every, every time basketball season comes around, because of the lack of big schools, McDowell and Cathedral Prep automatically play for District 10 Championship every year. Right. Right. I've seen seasons where McDowell was 500, sub-500, and they still get to make play the that run. game. May they make a run. That's the biggest issue with, with that for me, for me is I just don't see how this fits this district at all. Right. Well, I mean, if you're going to be – I mean – it's going to be universal. Yeah. So, I mean, if you lose out on it, then, you mean, no, yeah, definitely. it might be think, great for some places, not for others. Right, because yep. I think virtually, except for like maybe one or two schools, virtually every school in our region is playing double-A ball at this time. It seems like it, yeah. You know, I mean, there's no more triple-A. Like, we used to, I know 
back in the day when I was at school, like Titusville, Meadville, Franklin, Oil City, we all used to be AAA. And now that's no longer the case with uh, Titusville dropping down to AA. And I believe a few of those other ones have to. I'd have to really look that up to get into it. But yeah, I don't know. But this is an, a, an excellent segment. I really enjoy that we're bringing more of the local sports, the high school sports that really matter. And that's what I try to do around here. But now we're going to go to even more localized right here on campus, uh, Edinburgh football. Uh, going to be back in action tomorrow. They're not going to be on campus, though. They're going to be at IUP. And um, for their homecoming, just like it was two years ago, as Coach Browning said to us earlier this week, it seems like they're always there for homecoming. They always get picked for the homecoming every couple years at IUP. Uh, so that game kicks off at 2 p.m. from George P. Miller Stadium on the campus of IUP. And uh, Mike and I will have the call for you from there right here, 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, EdinburghNow.com, the TuneIn app on mobile devices, and the Keystone Sports Network, which is 92.7 FM in Erie, and WWCB 1370 AM in Corey. So we got you covered everywhere for Borough Football. Borough coming in 0-4, 0-1 in the PSAC, just narrowly losing to Cal a week ago. IUP coming in just 2-1, and mind you, they never played in that opening week. They started right with their PSAC schedule. They never played, and they won't. They're never going to go outside. They're only going to play 10 games a season, which I find very interesting um, for Kurt Signetti's group and why he wants to do that. Do you have any idea, Mike? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, that's, it's a mystery to me, too. I kept looking at that uh, when the schedules came out earlier. Uh, when I looked at that at Media Day, honestly, I thought, why are they not playing until right. the 12th? But Maybe it'll work out for them and, and be an advantage that they didn't have to play an extra game and they have more rest or I don't know. I mean, this guy did, you know, spend a couple years under Nick Saban, so he might know a thing or two. He was in some BCS championships, you know, all that good stuff. Not so a big he might deal. know something. He was a recruiting coordinator for Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad. It's not bad at it's all. It's not too shabby. So, uh, nonetheless, Kurt Signetti uh, going in just his fifth year at IUP. He's coming in with uh, the IUP Crimson Hawks, who are 2-1, and 1-0 in the PSAC West after they knocked off Mercyhurst a week ago, snapping a 10-game winning streak for the Mercyhurst Lakers. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a tough, tough matchup uh, for these two squads. Obviously, homecoming bringing just so much more to this contest. But I think... Um, this easily is, is a winnable game for Edinburgh. Um, Mike has been predicting this as a W for Borough, or I wouldn't say, say that, predicting it as a very winnable game since the get-go before he even knew what the uh, first four games were going to transpire like for both IUP or Borough. And uh, now this game is finally here, and uh, how confident do you still feel with Edinburgh going in this matchup? I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, after last week's contest alone, I don't feel quite as strong as I did before because I don't think you could have ever foreseen a Mercier's team going in and rushing for six net yards against right. the IUP. I mean, the differential there on the ground, 226 yards to six. And you're talking about a good tailback in Brandon Brown-Dukes, one of the best in terms of total offense in this PSAC in recent history. That's a huge statement from IUP who wins by three touchdowns and then limits a running game like that so poorly. Clearly, Mercier's was still able to outgain IUP through the air, uh, 357 yards, and apparently they're feeling pretty good about Brendan Boylan. But when you can't run the football that badly, that's a real eye-opener to me. And, and IUP is giving up less than 70 rushing yards per game. Uh, so that could be something to really monitor going into this game. Right, that's one thing that I was going to jump into later, but we can do it right now since uh, you brought it up and we don't have a lot of time, um, <laughs> is that this is just going to come down to, I think, the passing game for Edinburgh. Because if you look at it rushing-wise, um, IUP's rushing defense – is um, is the biggest is the second best rushing defense in the PSAC mm-hmm. at you know just under seventy yards as you mentioned in Edinburgh you know they have the third worst rushing attack 
in the PSAC. So those two going up against each other is not the best for Burrow. But passing-wise, Edinburgh, um, you know, passing yards per game has, you know, the 10th best passing offense in the PSAC. But the passing defense for IUP, they give up more yards than anybody in the PSAC passing-wise. So this is going to come down on the shoulder of Jake Sisson, who is coming off a career high in passing yards, touchdowns, and rushing yards. So he's coming off a great game. Wouldn't be, you know, it would be perfect to continue it this Saturday because he might need to. With the ability that he's shown last week against Cal, I have a greater confidence in Jake going into this game that if he can't find the lanes open passing, I think he's going to be able to do it with his feet. And I think another key is to try to get Evelard going this week against against IUP. They're going to have to get something going. I mean, because you saw, you know, I mean, Mercyhurst almost overcame that, though, Mike. I mean, to say that they don't, they did, barely had any rushing yards, sure, but, I mean, that was, what, only a 10-point defeat. So you can still get it done through the air. Uh, I mean, so Edinburgh's going to have to get that passing attack started because if they struggle both ways, especially for at least a half, if they struggle both ways. It's going to be a long it's, day. It's going to be a tough to overcome that. Because I don't really know what other phase. You can't just strictly win in special teams. This isn't the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> so I don't really know what they're going to do if they don't get the passing attack going. Another element here, uh, looking at what our defense is going to face, is if you'd have told me that they're bringing back the same quarterback from a year ago in Chase Hazlitt, I'd feel great. I didn't think that that, that, that quarterback did a whole lot in, in the game last year, an 18-8 home loss right. for Edinburgh on its homecoming. But now you're talking about Lenny Williams coming in as a Temple transfer, a guy that can really move with his feet. Uh, much like you talked about the ability that Jake could do. Uh, but Lenny Williams, I think, is more of a proven guy on the ground, a little bit of experience coming from Temple. Uh, and I think they can spread the offense out a little bit more than what they wanted to a year ago. I think a year ago you really saw them go in tight, you know, eye formation, pound the rock. They're still going to run the football, <laughs> but I think they have more of an element now to spread you out and to give you different looks and, and be more multiple. Right. I mean, Luigi Lista Brinza, the Russian guy for IUP, 54 touches on the year, 274 yards, only two touchdowns. Um, but he, what, amassed 150 yards on our homecoming last year, I think it was right around that. And he had, I believe, was a career high in rushing yards last week. So he's obviously done, um, you know, he's, he's moving up in the world, like you said. And, and the new quarterback, Lenny Williams, redshirt freshman. No more Hazlitt. He's on the roster, but he's not the guy anymore. Yep. Um, you know, now it is this Temple transfer. Who's he's he's an athletic. He's a quarterback. He's a runner. He's got the arm too, though. Three hundred and thirty-four yards through the air. Two touchdowns. Only one pick thus far, but only sixty attempts. Jake Sisson has almost one that in one contest, um, and he's gotten that in what two or three weeks? I believe he's been the guy now. Um, well, they've only had three, so I think it's only two. Hazlitt was the starter to start the year. Yeah. And then they went into Lenny Williams. So, um, I mean, it's going to be tough there for that. But, I mean, I, I don't really know what to expect. I think it's just basically going to be a, a passing attack from Edinburgh. I feel that's going to be the biggest question mark. I know I hit on that before. But I just think it's going to come down to that because IUP is going to stuff the run. They know they can, sh- they're gonna sh- they can shut down the run and they're going to try to do that. And they're going to force Edinburgh to beat them in the air and just see what happens from then. And it might just turn into a shootout. Yeah, you very well could be right. Um, but the thing that... Edinburgh has to stress is don't go into a shell and don't admit defeat on the ground right away because you saw them have a lot of success against Cal, a team that they thought coming in was pretty good against the run. And right. I think in the first half, it really changed the complexion of the game when Cal had to say, wow, we already gave up 100 yards on the ground in two quarters. We got to take this more seriously and we, we got to start you know, closing those gaps and, and filling those holes. And then here you come in the second half and that opens up the passing attack for Edinburgh. So Maybe they're not going to have a ton of success on the ground. I'm not sure, but you can't just go into a shell and, and give up and admit defeat based on a matchup. you got to try and, and grind it out and see what you can do 
and maybe do some things schematically that give you more of an advantage to go sideline to sideline. Yeah, I mean, you got to, like you said, you mentioned that on last week's broadcast that going east to west was not not a forte of these borough runners a week ago. They're going to have to figure out how to do that um, this uh, week. Um, another thing, you know, you got to look at the two deep for Edinburgh. There are some changes going into this one. Um, I think the biggest change is that quarterback, Mike, if you didn't notice that. Um, John Gervin no longer listed in the two deep at quarterback. Um, now it is Jack Wallman, the freshman. Uh, six foot four, 208 pounds. Uh, it's been rumored for the last few weeks that he's been getting more reps in practice, um, and he, he rightfully did. Um, I, meant, I told Mike this week before we broadcast the women's soccer match, was able to catch a glimpse of Borough football practice, and uh, while the rest of the team was stretching, they had the quarterbacks warming up with the um, wide receivers, and there was Sisson and Wallman. No, no Gervin warming up. So he's on the roster, still listed as a QB slash tight end, but on the two deep, it is Sisson and then Wallman. So in the event that Sisson might, you know, go down with another injury or something like that, Wallman would be the guy to step in, it looks like, and we'll see what Jack is all about because he seems to be getting a lot of high praise, um, you know, from, from the coaching staff so far, Mike. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting shakeup, and I have a question for you. What do you think John's role on this team now is? Because we heard about the tight end talk, but we haven't, seen him, snap. we haven't seen him line up there once, and I think they kind of like the guys they have between Nick and Kempka and a couple other guys. I mean, they've gone two and three deep on several occasions. What do you think John's role is with this team now? I was thinking the same thing, and now with the, sh- with the uh, shooken up um, defensive, you know, going forefront, I don't know if that helps them either. I mean, there's, they were talking D-end. Um, and there's two DNs right now, Dom Principale and Armani Davis. Davis did a nice job. He's going to get the start again this week, it looks like, after getting one start so far this season. And then you also got to mention into that as well, I think the, the reason they were thinking of putting him DN is because Forrest Chrisman, um, a high school football standout, came here to Burrow as a wrestler, now getting on the football team, was hurt in the beginning of the season. So they figured that he might be able to be a, a sub for Chrisman. But now the problem is, for the problem for um, John is, Forrest is back. He was cleared last week, mm-hmm. so he's got a little bit of a brace on that on that uh, hand that he broke in training camp. But he's back, good to go. He's second on the depth chart, um, redshirt sophomore um, in at the defensive end position. So I think he might just be the odd man out right now, Mike. I mean, I know he was willing to switch positions to get himself on the field, but I don't know now with the way things have transpired. Now they're going into what the fourth, fifth game of the year, fifth game of the year, mm-hmm. where there is a spot for him on the field with this team. I mean, unless you can find somewhere else, I don't really know. Yeah, very interesting. It is something that that caught my eye with that quarterback change and then considering, you know, all those other positions around the field. I just don't know where he does fit in either. It's quite interesting. Um I, I just I mean, this is gonna be a tough this is tough for the defense as well for Edin- for Edinburgh, um, to see what they can do against this running quarterback. I don't really think they've they've encountered a quarterback like Lenny Williams yet this year that we've had a lot of pocket passers guys that can run but I think there's going to be a lot of designed runs for Williams and a lot of times where he's his first inclination is going to be to keep it and run it with his and run it and not go for the pass and I think that's going to be something that's going to have to keep this defense on its toes but the four down linemen might help them in that situation too I would certainly agree and I think you're going to see linebackers that are going to be assigned to spy against Lenny Williams um, and that'll help but yeah the four down linemen look will be good You've had this experience against Ryan Zapaticchi of Shippensburg, Wade Bertrand of St. Joe's College, and to an extent, Matt Soltes, but that game was was out of hand a little bit earlier than they they wanted it to be. Uh, So they've had the experience against mobile quarterbacks and guys that can get out and spread you out. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the four-down lineman look does go against it, though. Right, and they just have to contain, 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 because Kyle is burning us going going with those sweeps to the right or to the left. And if, if we can maintain containment, have the safety step up and, you know, linebackers crashing from the ends will be okay. 
One thing I'm really excited about, not just going and, you know, calling our game on Saturday, but there's a lot of good contests. I think a lot of games that are going to tell us about some teams in the PSAC this Saturday. I don't know if you got a chance to look at the schedule around the PSAC, Mike, but there's mm -hmm. some good games going yeah. on right on this Saturday. Slippery Rock at Gannon. How does SRU bounce back from being completely upset? The, the wind hurt around the world, or at least around the Keystone State. Um, with uh, SRU being upended by Seton Hill at Gannon. And Gannon lost to, lost to Clarion, too. And, I mean, I wouldn't call that an upset because Clarion was also undefeated, but you would call it an upset because you're not believing in the not-so-golden-golden Eagles. But SRU at Gannon, see, you know, what's going on with them. Seton Hill at Cal. So we'll, we'll see, was Seton Hill just a Cinderella for one week, or should we really start, you know, looking at this team as maybe a contender in the conference? And Cal, I mean, they're obviously a solid team. We saw them with our own two eyes a week ago. Mercyhurst at Clarion. Hurst coming off that loss to IUP a week ago, snapping that 10-game winning streak. And then Clarion, still undefeated in the PSAC. Regardless if Mike's on the bandwagon or not, they're moving forward. They are 4-0 so far this season, Mr. Fenner. They should take a lot of stock into what I say. I mean, clearly I have, my opinion's more important than anybody. Well, I, right. just, I just want you, I want, I want them to win you over. That's what I want. Okay. And um, and because uh, I just want you to think how legit Clarion is because before we know it, next week, homecoming, Clarion's coming on into Sox Harrison State, and you'll see it for ourselves. Um, and then also another good one, I think, is Shippensburg at East Stroudsburg. That's a 6.05 kick. Um, ESU, I think Soltes is 100% now with his injury. So this is a time ESU can shine moving down into the deeper into the PSAC schedule. And Shippensburg, I mean, they have a high-flying offense. This is two high-flying offenses clashing against each other. It's going to be at ESU, but 6.05 start on a Saturday, Mike, with Hurricane Joaquin coming in. Could be some very, very nasty weather coming on in. A lot of things canceled. Women's tennis over the weekend was supposed to be on the east coast uh, or the eastern part of the state. That was postponed. Now it looks like the storm's going to go more out to the ocean, so maybe not going to be as bad. But they're calling like for some 40-mile-per-hour winds and some heavy rain on the eastern side of the state. We look to be clear at IUP. I was checking it. It looks to be a 46% chance of rain, cloudy, 58 as a high, and like very high humidity. Very interesting scenario, but we look so there could be some rain factoring into it for the IUP, but not as bad as the East Coast. So I think the ship at ESU game could be very interesting, especially if the weather does contain those high flying offenses. You know what? I, I'm going to disagree though. The more I look at Shippensburg this, as the season progresses, you I don't like think them? this is the same offense we saw last year at all. I think it's a very, very different football team. Hmm. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I, I don't think they're the same offense at all. I don't know. I know, but this is definitely the weekend. <laughs> they still put up 37 points. I mean, against against Edinburgh, right? Or no, what was that score of that game? 20. 20, that's right. It was 20. That's right. We held them to under that. It was 30. They only had six points last week. That is true. That's, that's tough. I don't know. Maybe they'll turn it around, but for right now, I'm not buying into their offense. That's a good point. We'll have to see. I don't know. Tubby, you, what do you think? You don't know. I, I don't know nothing, but I, I, just, I just think that this is the weekend that the cream actually starts rising to the top. This is where, this is where the wheat gets separated from the chaff. It's all it's it's all happening. It's all happening right it's here. It's all happening. It's college radio day. What more do you want out it's of college me? radio day? Exactly. All right. We're going to hit our last break here on WFSC fighting Scots radio. Uh, do not go anywhere. We'll come back with some more NFL talk on the other side. Back here. 88.9 fighting Scots radio the morning after 956. We got a couple NFL action uh, matchups to get to and actions getting underway on Sunday. Early Sunday start with the 930 London game. Don't forget that set an alarm. We talked about that contest with Chewy and myself yesterday. Um, 
Fenner's happy. Titans have a bye, so nothing to really worry about that. Let's get to the Browns quickly. 405 at San Diego. Qualcomm Stadium. What do you make of this contest? Not even a chance, Tubby? No, San Diego wins. San Diego wins. Skip one. I mean, yeah. Skip. Go. All right. Move. One thing interesting, I guess. I guess we'll get to the we'll get to the Eagles game quickly as well. Eagles at Washington might not even be able might might not be played at one o'clock or at FedEx Field. Uh, might be Monday. Definitely going to play this weekend though. Somehow, some way, they will get these teams to play. Um, the NFL has informed them, so we'll have to. I don't really know, but if the if this game does get played, normal conditions, one o'clock FedEx Field with the rain coming from Hurricane Joaquin. Who do you got winning? I'm going to coin flip right now. I have no idea. These two teams, I don't know what to expect, honestly. It could be a tie. Yeah. I just wish Donovan, Mc, Donovan McNabb was involved, playing, Yeah, because he wouldn't know. He would yeah. just be like, yo, I'm playing for them. I'm playing for the tie. Right. <laughs> playing for the second OT. Uh, let, me, let me see the line real quick. It is e- Eagles are three-point favorites on the road in that one. That's not so. a bad line to have. Mm-mm. So, uh, continue. Yeah, I, w- I would take the Eagles and give the points. Giants at Buffalo this week. Buffalo. Buffalo, um, hands down. Buffalo hands down against the Giants. I mean, the Giants are looking decent. Nope. Move on. Buffalo Buffalo over the Giants. I'll agree. I'll take the Bills. They, I mean, they look like they're in the right direction right now until otherwise. Until we, we see otherwise. I think it's I think, easy. Think, Go ahead. All right. To be honest, I mean, looking at the games, I mean, they're all pretty much for Sunday. The only two games that are really worth talking about is going to be Kansas City versus Which Cincinnati. Which I was about to. Kansas City versus Cincinnati, that's going to be a good game. And then, surprisingly, Minnesota-Denver at 425. Those are going to be, like, the two games to watch. So let's start. Kansas City at Cincinnati. I mean, is Cincinnati, is this going to be a true test? See if they're a pretender, contender, Kansas City. What? I mean, they finally got a touchdown to a receiver. That's a start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a redemption game for – I look for Cincinnati to go down. I think this is a redemption game for Kansas City. I think this is where Cincinnati starts to choke and starts to show some chinks on the armor here. I like the Chiefs, too. I think they need a bounce back. Uh, and I think Cincinnati is getting a little bit too comfortable at the top of the AFC North, considering where Baltimore's at. Uh, and then Cleveland with the, the quarterback Just, issues. I think Cincinnati's going to trip up in this one. And then continuing on, going to that other contest as uh, under the direction of Tubby, uh, we have Minnesota at Denver this week, 425 at Mile High uh, there in Denver. Broncos, Vikings. I know, I know. I'm shocked to say it myself. I know, I know. But I think, but who is it? I, I, I think I got to go with Minnesota. 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 Seven-point dogs at Invesco Field. I would take those seven points. I would take Minnesota and the seven points, and I would bet food on it, which to me is more precious than money. But, yeah. I'll take the Vikings to cover, but I'm taking Denver. Not going against uh, Peyton in that situation. All righty. Uh, so let's just some other quick action. Green Bay at San Francisco. That should be a pretty easy win for Green Bay. Um, and another game, we talked St. Louis at Arizona. That could be surprisingly close. That didn't make Tubby's top two. No. But that could be surprisingly close, Fenner. That's my game of the week. That's yeah. not even my top two. That's my game of the week. Can't right wait there. to watch that one. I mean, also, because, I mean, if this game gets blown out for Arizona, you know, they could, are, are they going to take Carson Palmer out? Are they going to leave them in? St. Louis, they're a surprising team each and every week. So we'll find out with that. So that's the Sunday slate for uh, week four in the National Football League. I might have to get Sunday ticket to finally see the Birds lose a contest. I don't know about that. So we're going to see that and more. We'll be back Monday morning here on the morning after going three wide. Once again, Fenner, Tubby, and I talking NFL and Borough football. But don't forget, tomorrow, 2 p.m. from George P. Miller Stadium, 145 pregame action starts. Fenner and I have the call between Edinburgh and IUP for homecoming football for the Crimson Hawks. We'll talk to you then, morning after tomorrow.